Good morning, ACF. It's wonderful to be back with you and to spend some time. Um, uh, we have traveled extensively, and uh, I decided there's a couple of churches or people that I have to get to before the year gets too busy. And ACF is one of those churches, and also Prophet John and Bev. And so I'm here today to come and share the word, but I'm also here today to come and testify of what God has done through our lives and through the support and the prayers of this ministry. You know, often we pray, but you don't hear the results of what happened. I'm here to come and testify of what God has done in our lives in the last couple of months. Let's pray and we can get into the Word. Thank you, Father, for your Word. Lord, I come and I declare that as we speak the Word this morning, that it will go forth and it will accomplish exactly that. In Jesus' name, amen. And in all of those that are watching online, it's a blessing that you are part of the meeting, but we invite you to come and be part of the service at some time. Come and join us. I want you to open up your Bibles in the book of Daniel, chapter 10, verse 12. I know you know the scripture very well. Pastor John teaches on it every Sunday. And so you've memorized it by heart. Daniel, chapter 10, verse 12. He says, then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. I'm here this morning to come and speak to you about the power of prayer and also the power of worship. What really happens during our time of prayer and what happens as we worship. Now, ACF is a church that prays. It's a place that understands prayers, that understands the power of prayer. And also worship. Now, often people neglect prayer, they neglect worship. They think prayer is only for those three old ladies that have nothing to do. They go to the prayer meetings. But the next revival that we are anticipating is going to come through the prayer meetings. There's an awakening that will take place there with people that pray, that comes together. And so this is also a time of prayer that's important to all of us. This is not a time where just half of the church or a third of the church prays, but all of us are signed up to pray. I want to encourage you to make time this year to somehow be part of the prayer team, prayer group. And the reason is that you are busy with your day, you're busy with all the challenges that, that you're having, then you get back home and you start to pray. It takes a couple of minutes to change the atmosphere, to get your mind settled, to get your heart ready, and then you get into you know, the presence of God and pray. But when you enter a prayer meeting, yeah. the ground is already prepared. They're already praying. You don't have to deal with all the stuff that's happening in your life. When you walk into that room, it's already set apart. It's already prepared, and you can just start to pray. And so pray at home, yes. But I want to encourage you sometime during this year, make an effort to come to the prayer meetings, to attend it once a month, however you can, but make it a priority. Get into that room. Get connected. doesn't matter how long you are there, but be part of that prayer meeting, that prayer team, because when we pray, there's an immediate response when we pray, immediately. We don't see it immediately. We don't hear it immediately. We don't see the change immediately, but I want to assure you in the spirit, immediately there's a change. He speaks to Daniel here and he says, immediately your prayer was heard. Now, I want you to understand that there's a major battle that's taking place over your life right now. Massive battle. And you might sit here and say, Andre, well, I'm not really important. I'm not really doing great things for God. You know, I just have average job and there's nothing, you know, I'm not intimidating the enemy in any way. And so why would he come after me? Because I'm not really... You know, we'll maybe attack Pastor John because he does a lot for God. But I'm, you know, low profile, you know. I'm not really important. But I want to make you aware this morning that there's a fight that's busy happening over every soul on this earth. Every person. The enemy is fighting and trying to fight against God's will and purpose and plans for your life. And he wants you to, it's part of his tactic to keep you 
you know, low profile. He wants you to think that you're not important, you're not significant, you're not really making any form of impact. That's exactly where he wants you to be. But there's a purpose that's in you, there's a plan that, that's upon your life, and that plan is still active, it's still there. No matter what you go through, no matter where you've been, that plan of God is still there. When God looks at you today, He sees your full potential. When God looks at you, He doesn't see any disability, any limitation, any bankruptcy, any poverty. You can stand before God and say, well, I don't have the tools, I'm not equipped, I'm not ready. And all of those things are things that God does not recognize. The only thing that He sees is He sees the fullness of what you can become. The fullness. That's what He sees. And so it doesn't help to come to God with excuses, to try to convince Him that you're not capable or the right person because there's an assignment that's upon your life and that assignment is still active just as you were 12 years old and 50 years old and 80 years old. It's the same assignment that's upon your life and it's still active. And so when we pray, there's an immediate response that takes place at that moment. Whether we see it or not, there's a shift that takes place. Now I'm here this morning to come and testify of what has happened in our lives and also to honor Pastor John for his prayers and for the church who've prayed for us during our time of crisis. Now last year we have been involved in a car accident we were in America, and I invited my parents to come and stay with us, visit us, and they came for a couple of weeks, and I had a weekend where I ministered in New York, and I said to Zandia, travel with me, and we'll leave the kids with my parents, and they can take care of them, and so we flew to New York, and we had a conference there, started from the Wednesday to the Sunday, and Wednesday night, on our way to the service, we stopped to get a cup of coffee, and as we walked into the service, I received a phone call that my parents were involved in a car accident with our children, right five minutes before the service. And I asked my dad to do a video call, and on the video call, I saw the children on the grass outside of the car, laying on the grass, and so I said to my dad, walk to the children. I want to see them. And so he walked to them. His hand was broken at that moment. He was trying to hold the phone up. He walked to, to Zandre, and I said to Zandre, look at me. And I said to him, listen, it's going to be okay. Amen. And I said to my dad, now go to Josh, our second son. And he walked to him, and I looked at him lying on the grass, and I spoke to him right there. And then the ambulance, the paramedic came, and he said to my dad, listen, I need to take care of your hand. You need to put that phone down. And so they put the five of them involved in the car accident, my mom, my dad, the two children, and also our teacher, Opera, that travels with us. And so right there, they put all five of them in five different ambulances, and they rushed them to the hospital, all five. And five minutes before the service. And so he puts the phone down, and we have no idea what is happening, what's wrong, and the service is starting. And I was with Pastor Chris Currency, and Pastor John knows very well, and he said, listen, what do you want to do? And I mean, we can have someone that can drive you right now through the night. Now, we're in a different state. Even if we get in the car, this is 6.30 in the evening, the last flight out is at 7, so we're missing that flight. So the next one is only the next morning. And even if we get in the car right now and we drive 2,000 kilometers, the plane will still get there before we can be with the children. And so he said, listen, what do you want to do? And at that moment, I said to Zandia, I said to her, listen, the only thing we can do now is to stand on the word. We have no other option. We have to stand upon the word of God. We don't even know what's wrong. We don't even know what happened. But we can only stand on the word. And so Chris said, what do you want to do? Do you want to preach? And I said, yes, I'll do the service. Wow. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell the church what's happening. We're going to do the service. Wow. And it was, I think, probably the toughest sermon or service I've ever done, you know, standing there and preaching and ministering and not knowing, you know, uh, what is happening or where the children is. And Zandi is running in and out of the service trying to find to speak to the ambulance, to try to get an idea of what is happening. Now, what happened is 
so they arrived at Soda Hospital, but when the children arrived, they immediately decided that there is a children's hospital, campus hospital, and it would be better for the children to go to that hospital. They would take better care of them. And so immediately when they arrived, they airlifted the children to a different hospital. And so my parents is in one hospital, the children in a different wow. hospital. Um, so we do this service, and immediately we started to reach out to people to pray. Churches, people that we know, you know, to pray that God would come and assist us in this moment. But I ministered at a church in Sarasota, a very small church, years ago, and immediately I thought, well, let me quickly try to reach a couple of pastors that's in the area, and I phoned a few churches that might be close to the hospital where they're going, and one of the pastors in Sarasota, he answered, I explained the situation to him, and he said to me, listen, I'm heading to the hospital right now. And he arrived at the hospital before the ambulance. And he received the children at the hospital. He stayed with them right through the night. He gave us an update every hour of what is happening until we could get there the next day. And Thursday afternoon, we arrived at the hospital. And I walked into the hospital, and we're trying to figure out what's happening. You know, it was an accident that happened at a very low speed, but major injuries. Everyone in the car had massive injuries. Everyone's backs, ribs broken. Everyone had massive injuries in the car. We're trying to figure out what is happening. And so I walked into the hospital on the Thursday, and there was a team, uh, a medical team that welcomed us. Now, in America, you don't have one doctor that takes care of everything. You have a different team for everything. You have one doctor that takes care of the stomach, one that takes care of the back. One that, so we have this whole team that's there to meet us and to explain the situation to us. And so we are meeting with all of these teams and trying to figure out what really happened, what is happening, what's going on. Um, children are still in ICU. And the neurosurgeon explained to us, he said, listen, let me explain to you what is happening now. He said, listen, first of all, you have to understand that both of your children will never walk again. And so then he started to explain to me the process, and he showed me the x-rays, and they went from one team to another team explaining exactly what is happening. Josh broke his pelvis, Zandre broke his back, and the au pair broke her back, and so we are going through this process. Now, in America, you have two teams. You have a team that's pro-surgery and a team that's against it. And so what they do is they do a case study, and then these two teams come together, and then they present it to you. And as a parent, you have to decide whether you'll take surgery or not. They don't make the decision for you. You have to make it. And so now they've got these teams. They have a meeting that night where they're going to go through everything, and then they will present it the next day, and they will say, as a team, this is what we think is the best. And so they asked us and said, listen, what do you want to do? And obviously, as a parent, I say to them, we want the best. I mean, I have no idea how backs works. I've got no idea. I mean, if you say they need surgery, they have to go for surgery. Whatever is needed, I mean, we are not going to fight, you know, the medical system. Tell us what they need, and uh, that's what, what needs to happen. And so this is the Thursday night, and so they didn't let any of the boys eat because they're pre prepping them to go into surgery the next morning. And so they're not eating. They're just keeping them stable to go into surgery. And so we worked shifts, so I stayed with the boys for six hours, and then Zania would go and sleep, and we would go back and forth. And I don't know what she did in her time with the boys, but I think, you know, she definitely, you know, spending a lot of time in prayer as well during that time. But the evening, the medical team came to speak to us, and they said, listen, tomorrow morning we're going to present the case, and then we're going into surgery immediately after that. Now, they've got so many teams, and they already making a cast for Zandre that he would wear after the surgery. It's a full cast, and so they make a basically a basic one, and they start to make adjustments to it, and they get all these different teams that are doing their work and getting ready for it. So the evening, I stayed with them through the night and uh, till 6 in the morning till Zandre arrived, and through that night, and so now they said, listen, we're going to do a case study. Tomorrow morning we present it to you, 
and then we're going into surgery if that's needed. Now, as parents, we're ready. If they need to do surgery, we're not going to postpone it. They can do it. And so on Thursday night, I'm standing between the two boys. I've got a photo, both of them in ICU in their two beds, and I'm standing right in the middle. And right through the night, I started to take prayers that people send us, voice notes. And I started to just play those prayers over the children. Just played it and played it and played it. And it's interesting because you can hear in people's prayer whether they have faith or not. So some of those prayers I stopped because I can see, you know, their hearts going up or down when I play that prayer. And so some of it I just stopped. But then there was prayers that was full of faith. And right through the night, I just played those prayers over and over and over. And it was a very significant prayer that Pastor John sent me. And I prayed that prayer specifically over the voice, things that he was declaring through that voice note. And I played it right through the night, played it, played it, played it. And so as a parent, you know, I couldn't even pray at that moment. You know, we were in survival mode. I mean, it's our whole lives are suddenly turned around. It's so We've never been through a crisis. We've never faced anything like that in our lives. So suddenly, everything is turned around in a moment. And I'm playing these prayers through the night, and then the next morning, the neurosurgeon comes, and uh, now he explained to me, he showed me on x-rays exactly why they need to do surgery. There's no ligaments. Both sides of the back's ligaments are completely torn off. And floods leaking from his back, broken back. And so he explained to him in x-rays exactly why they need to do it. And the neurosurgeon said to me, he said, listen, my son is the same age as your son. I'm not going to do surgery, you know, just because, you know, we need to do surgery. I'm going to really try to do everything to avoid it before we go that route. And so he comes in the morning. He comes in and immediately I say to him, listen, if they need to get surgery, we're going to go for it. We don't have to waste time. And so he says, well, they need surgery, and we need to. It's already prepped. They're already scheduled. They're going into theater right now. And I said, well, that's it. That's, that's what we have to do. And so he comes in with a team to come and get Zandre for surgery. He comes in, and another team is there, the one, the team that made the brace. And they are there, and they're busy making little adjustments for the brace, how it needs to sit in that. And the neurosurgeon says, listen, just try to fit the brace. And they're putting it on. He's in tremendous pain. And he says to Zandre, listen, see if you can stand up. And suddenly, Zandre stands up out of the bed. Now, I don't know what he can do or not. And so the neurosurgeon says, it's impossible. There's no way. He has no ligaments on both sides that can keep his back up. And so he says, call the radiologist team again. He says the radiologist team messed up the x-rays. He says because the x-rays that they gave us, you know, is not what he's seeing right now. And he says he's got a junior neurosurgeon that works with him. He says, listen, we're going to take x-rays again now. And so I'm sending my junior to go with him two x-rays i'm making sure they're taking it the right way from the right angle and then we're coming back and so all of them are out and they come back and he says listen no surgery needed (laughs) i mean from from telling me the previous day that he will never walk again eight hours later saying It's fine, no surgery. So he gives us that news. In short, four days later, four days later, they can go home. Four days later. Now, we left the hospital, both of them in wheelchairs. They had to learn to walk again. And it's now seven months later. Both of the boys are running around now like nothing happened. This. There's no scar. They've never been in pain. Nothing. Not a mark on there. I was in court. I mean, because of the accident, we are in court at the moment. We've been sued. 
by the other driver. And so in court, they're looking at the children. They're saying, is this the same children? I mean, that was in accident. And I mean, it's just night and day difference. And with every one of us, with my dad, with my mom, with our au pair, our au pair broke her back. And when she arrived, the neurosurgeon told me when she arrived at hospital, he said when he, he did, they did an emergency you know, surgery, he said when he opened her up, he could look down her spine. The Sarasota Hospital says it's the first time they see someone with that type of injury that can walk again. Never happened. We arrived back in South Africa and immediately we took her to a neurosurgeon here as well. Again, he says they've never seen it. A person with that type of injury that can still walk. When we arrived here with the au pair, the neurosurgeon thought that she was paralyzed. I mean, that's what he expected to receive. And so he couldn't understand that she has feeling in her feet. He couldn't understand that. Now, I'm here to tell you this power in prayer. This power in prayer. The only thing that happened, you know, from the time, from the first report to the second report was prayer. Only thing that took place. Prayers of people standing on those prayers, listening to those prayers, playing it over their lives, declaring it over their lives, and seeing, I mean, in hours, one x-ray, and then looking at the next one the next morning is something completely different. Completely different on it. Come on, let's give God the glory. Ah, awesome. Isn't that incredible? I was, uh, when Andre sent me the voice note, I was awake. I was actually awake that morning before five, and I got the voice note. And when I got the voice note, I immediately prayed. And there were certain specific things I prayed in the prayer. Now, understand it wasn't just my prayer. It was other men and women of God of faith. The point is prayer. Amen? And, but there were specific things that I said in that voice note because I sent it immediately to Andre, and then later he told me he played it over the boys. So I then when I played it back to myself, and I listened to the things that I said. And here's the amazing thing, Pastor Dominic Shakespeare, one of our pastors, it was just a day or two later, very powerful dream he had. And he said that in this dream he saw, he said a young man, like a young boy, in a body bag, and he has blonde hair. And immediately I started listening to that voice note. I realized this is a description of Zandre. I mean, I listened. And he said, and then he started to say, in this dream, I heard you saying things. And he said, he starts repeating the words that I spoke in the prayer that I gave to Andre, that I sent to Andre. And when I'm listening, I'm going like, I mean, this is amazing. This is really incredible. And I mean, exact statements, exact phrases. He said, in the dream, I started to speak. And he said, and this young man stood up, and he was perfect, and he was called. He says he was called into his destiny because the enemy was trying to steal his destiny. And that was something that I said in the prayer. So I just want to connect this to, obviously, the trip to Scotland, you know, the lady with the fibromyalgia and all that and stuff like that. So you, church, we know what to do, hey? Okay, come on, let's stand. Come on, let's give a shout. Whoa! Hallelujah! Amen. Come on, let's make a declaration. We're going to see greater miracles, greater healings. Come on, we're going to see cancers fall off, growths fall. Paralyzed people healed, blind eyes open, deaf ears, in Jesus' name. One more shout. Amen. We're going to end the meeting, and I'm going to lead you to a place now, but we're going to pray. And I want you to understand that when we pray, things move immediately. Immediately there's a shift. And God wants to move in your life. Whatever your need is, whatever your crisis is, whatever is happening in your life. And many people are praying and saying, God, can I just get back to where I've been two years ago, three years ago? Can I just get back to that place? God wants to take you above and beyond that. 
above that. He doesn't want to just restore to you what is lost, but he wants to take you above that and beyond that. And I'm sharing this specifically because this is not even my prayer. This is a prayer that was sent to me, that I stood on, that I played. And so if that can work for me, if we pray this morning together, I want to say to you, people's prayers can work for you. doesn't matter what your faith level is at this moment or where you are. There's faith in this room. There's people that can pray. And there's enough power here just to be in this environment, to be in this place. The next revival is not on YouTube. It's not on Facebook. It's in a place. It's in a meeting room. And for you just to be here this morning, just to come here, you've positioned yourself or placed yourself in that environment and in that place. Amen. Okay. Now, we've been traveling a lot, and something that has become very interesting to me is that you go to places and... When you arrive in that nation or at that church, there's something significant there. You walk into the place and you can feel in the spirit, there's something here. There's something different here. Whether you understand the language or the culture, you sense it in the spirit. And you don't have to be super spiritual to sense it. You can know there's something different in this place when you go. Now, I've been in many of these places where I've experienced that in the world. Now, there's a town that I go to every year. And many years ago, in our time in Europe, they set up itinerary to minister in all these churches in different villages. And late at night, they took me to this church, small church up in the mountains. And when I walked into that church, I could feel something different there. Just something in the spirit, a very significant place that's there. Now, this specific place is called Davos. It's a place in Switzerland, the highest village or town in Switzerland, and once a year, they host the World Economic Forum there. And so presidents, business people, all over the world gather in this little town once a year. Now, the population of this town is 11,000 people, and so about two or 3,000 delegates arrive there in this town, and they bring 5,000 soldiers with them to protect them. And they kind of take over this town, Davos, completely. It only has one road in and one road out in the mountains. And they have a week of meetings there. It happens every year in January, second week of January, in this place. And I only found that out later. But I realized it's a significant place. And it's a high place. There's a lot of decisions that are made there. And I've been trying to encourage the church there to to understand how important they are. It's a little church, 30, 40 people. And they don't really understand how important they are, and how God has positioned them and placed them exactly there in that area. So it's a high place. Now, I want you to read this with me in the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 5. This is where Jesus is being tempted just before his ministry is launched, just before he starts with his ministry. Luke, chapter 4, verse 5. It says, the devil led him up to a high place. devil led him up place, a place. And I'm saying, what is it with all of these high places? These high places. There's always something significant about the high places. This is Davos. I just came from there right now. And so now I go there every year, every year to go and pray in that town specifically. I just came from Davos right now. And uh, it's a very significant place in the spirit. Now, I remember going to Colorado Springs in the U.S. as well. And I arrived in Colorado Springs, and immediately I could also feel it's a significant place. And in Colorado Springs, if you go up into the mountains, there's all of these altars that's being built by different religions where they bring sacrifices up in the mountains. And so all of the religions are always aiming for the high places. They're trying to occupy that land, occupy those spaces, and from there... They pray or, you know, do sacrifices in those high places, in those specific places. Now, the same thing in Luke. The enemy, the devil, led him to a high place. He took him to a high place. And the devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I give it to anyone I want to. 
If you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. If you worship me, it will be yours. Now, this is a worship leader. And worship leaders are trained to take us to places. When we enter worship, worship leads you to a place. It opens a place. It takes you somewhere. And here is an ex-worship leader saying to Jesus that if you worship me, then I will give you authority. I will give you property. I will give you land. I will give all these kingdoms been given to me, and I will give it to you if you just worship me. Now, I went to Colorado Springs on my second visit there, and I don't know exactly how it happened, but I got signed up for an intercessor team that came from various places, and they came to Colorado Springs specifically to go up in the mountains or to go and pray. And so I arrived on my second trip in Colorado Springs, and I arrived there. Now, those of you that have been there, the, the air is very thin. So you walk from here to the door, and you're exhausted. And so I arrived there, and I walked from the arrivals to the car, and I can't breathe. And so we go to the meeting, and we meet with all of these groups that are there to pray, and that are going to go up in the mountains and pray over those altars and places where, and over the city. And immediately I realized that I've signed up for the wrong thing. And so... They brought equipment and shoes, you know, to hike up in the mountains. And I realized I can't even walk to the door and I'm tired because of the air that's so thin. And I realized I'm going to have to try to get out of this some way. So they're getting ready. So they have a prayer meeting and the intercessors are there. And then after that, they're heading out. They're going into the mountains to go and pray. I don't have the right shoes I have nothing, I don't have the clothes, I have, don't have the jackets or anything to hike up and go and pray. And so I say to them, listen, I have an idea. Why don't you drop me at the hotel and then I'll pray for you from the hotel. And then you go up and you hike and I'm going to really intercede from you. And so I think they realized that I'm going to be a burden to them. And so they agreed to it. And so... After the meeting, they took me to the hotel, they dropped me, and they went up to the mountains to go and pray over those places. So I walked into the room, and I decided, well, I gave them my word to pray, and so I will pray with them, and I will intercede for them. And I just started to pray in the room. And as I prayed in the room, I started to worship. And as I started to worship, I went to high places. And in that moment, the Lord spoke to me and said, Andre, you don't have to climb a mountain. You don't have to go and visit the altars. When you go into worship, worship leads you to high places. It takes you to high places. And in that moment, you have access. You are literally standing under open heaven. And you can declare. You can speak. And I want to take you to Matthew chapter 16, verse 19 where he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and I want you to follow me. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you bound on earth. For some reason, people think that they need to bind and lose things in heaven. They have to pray to heaven to bind it and to lose it. No. Our responsibility is to bind it on earth where we are. And then he says, if you bind it here, it will be bound in heaven immediately. And that's why I'm saying to you that there's power in prayer. And when we pray, immediately there's a release from heaven. Immediately. God is not going to release things over your life that you are not releasing. It's not going to fall on you. It's not going to happen automatically. We enter that place. Now, there is a moment in prayer, there's a place where we pray, we pray, we pray, and then suddenly there's a shift. That's exactly. There's a place in worship. We are worshiping, yeah. and then suddenly there's a shift in the worship. Yeah. And in that shift, in that moment, all of us are standing under open heaven. Yeah. And whatever you bind on earth, yeah. 
Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Immediately, there's a response. Immediately, there's a shift that's busy taking place. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Immediately, there's a shift. Now, I'm speaking to you this about this this morning to create an awareness that when you pray again, that immediately there will be a response. That when you worship again, that in the worship, suddenly, God is taking you to high places. And in that moment, whatever you speak, whatever you say in that moment is very powerful. In that moment, we don't ask for things. In that moment, we don't plead for things. In that moment, we don't try to convince God that we are good enough. In that moment, we're standing under open heaven, and whatever we lose, whatever we bind, whatever we do in that moment, immediately, there's a response. Now, sometimes we have to pray just a little bit longer. Sometimes you pray, and immediately you can feel a shift taking place. Other times, just a little bit longer. Sometimes in the worship, we need to just sing one more worship song. Other times, it's in the first song already, there's a shift that takes place. But I want you to start to recognize those shifts, that when it takes place, that we are not waiting for the band to sing two or three more songs so we can get done with it, so that we can get to the word or the meeting. That is a significant moment right there, right there in the worship. And if we can just stand still in that place right there, and we can just, everyone in one accord, just start to connect. When we worship, we can see people during the worship. Some people are really connecting with God. Other people are somehow distant. They think it's just a religious program that we need to get on so we can get to the things. But from this day forth, you are going to worship differently. You're going to be aware that in that moment, you're going to sense that shift that takes place. And when that shift takes place, you are going to realize that you're standing under open heaven. Right there, that moment. And whatever. It's amazing that he's using that word, whatever. He's not putting a limitation. He says, whatever. I'm giving you access. Whatever. In that moment, as you speak, then suddenly there will be a release immediately upon that moment. There's significant things happening all over the world right now. South Africa needs God. Our government needs God. This Gauteng, this province needs God. We need God. And the help is not going to come from people. There's no Savior. There's no person that can stand up and suddenly fix everything. When the hand of God comes upon a nation, when the favor of God comes upon a place, then suddenly there's an alignment in everyone's life in that place. And this is what we are trusting God for, is that He would come and touch the city. He would come and touch the people. And as the favor and the hand of God comes upon this place, then suddenly there's a shift taking place. And that favor of God is not going to come because God randomly chooses who He wants to place. But it's going to come because of sons and daughters of God that stands up and starts to pray. And starts to declare, starts to speak over their business, over the area, over the region. I want to say to you as ACF Church, that you are more important than you realize. You don't understand in the spirit the role that you play. There's many churches, there's many ministries that are still being sustained by God because of the prayers of ACF. It's because of your prayers. It's because of your persistence. It's because of you getting together every Sunday Every Sunday, pushing on and pushing on and pushing on and not looking at what's happening around you or getting negative or participating in all the bad news, but being a house of prayer that's continually praying. In the Spirit, you're keeping the door open that the enemy wants to shut. The enemy wants to close the door so that destruction can come into the city. But your prayers is keeping the door open. Your prayers is upholding, upholding this region, upholding this province in the state. As I travel globally, I can see how churches 
are upholding the presence of God in that area for everyone, for all of the ministries, for all of just because of a praying church that are praying. And so I'm here this morning to make you aware of that, that even if you don't see it in a way that you want to see it, you anticipate it. If God can only show you a glimpse of what's happening in the Spirit, your prayers is not unheard. When we pray, God hears us. And immediately, there's a shift. Immediately, there's a release at that moment. We're going to pray with you. When the accident happened, something happened within us as well. And what happened is there's a sense of urgency that came upon my spirit. When Chris said to me, are you going to do the meeting or not? I said to him, I'll do this meeting as if it is the last meeting that I do. I'll prophesy as if it's the last time that I prophesy. And we left that meeting, and I realized immediately, you know, we prayed, and we sought after God to try to figure out why do we go through this attack? How did this happen? There's many things that's involved in this. Why did this take place? And the Lord said to me, it's only the enemy that wants to discourage you. It's only the enemy. There's nothing else. The enemy wants to discourage you. He wants you to give up upon your marriage. He wants you to give up upon your business. He wants you to give up. That's his intention. He wants you to give up and say, I'm done. I'm out. That's it. It's just bringing discouragement to you. That's all. And so in the midst of that, God put an urgency in my spirit that we don't have 2024. We don't have the year 2025. We have now. We have this moment. This is what we have. And we have to utilize the moment that we have. We cannot waste time. We cannot waste resources. We can't waste, you know, people are accumulating stuff. They're accumulating finances for when they're going to retire. There's no retirement. We don't have that year we have now. We have this moment. And the truth is, the only thing that you can take with you to heaven or the only thing that you can do to impact people is to change a soul's life, a person's life, to bring someone to Christ. There's nothing else we can take with us. We cannot take any money, any possessions. We can only impact people's lives. And so touching people's lives, reaching this community, there has to be an urgency upon all of us. Not just the leadership, not just the, the prayer team, not just one individual. It has to come upon all of us. It's like we have a heartbeat for the city, but God has a heartbeat for the city. And we need His heartbeat. We want to hear what God hears. We want to see what He sees. We want to feel what He feels for the city. Because we can pray in a different direction. We can say, well, we need this, we need that, this needs to change. And we can pray something that's completely the opposite of the heart of the Father for a nation. And we need that heart to come upon all of us. That we have that same compassion for the lost that same drive, that same hunger and desire to say, you know, I'm sitting in church and I'm thinking, I've got all of these challenges, all of these battles that I'm facing. And suddenly we come to a place where I wipe all of those things aside. And it becomes completely irrelevant. And then we come to a place where we say, God, I want to be effective. I have limited time left. I want to make sure that I'm using what I have to the best of my ability. Where do you need me? God spoke to me at the beginning of last year and He confronted me. He said, for too long have my Holy Spirit become a tool in ministers' hands. It's time for ministers to become a tool again in the hand of my Holy Spirit. 2023 is not a year where we say, God, I want this and this, A, B, C, and D. 2023 is a year where we say, God, here I am. What do you need from me? Not my request, not all, everything. We're suddenly pushing all of those things aside. Now, if you want to build your house, build the house of God. You want to get your house built, build the house of God. The faster you build the house of God, the faster He builds your house. 
And so, yes, God cares. He cares about your family. But those things does not have eternal value. There's something that's more valuable than that. There's more at stake than we realize. There's more at stake. The enemy wants to cripple this nation. He wants to destroy our cities. He wants to destroy God's people. He wants to destroy the future of children and youth in this nation. Globally. And I can tell you it's not just here. Globally. Same challenge I just came from. From Europe. It's very sensitive at the moment there. People are completely unsure about the future. There's a war that can start. That can affect all of them tomorrow morning. They're all. They have no. There's no certainty anymore. They don't know. The investment suddenly. Was in the most stable place in the world. Now it's in the most. <laughs> unstable place in the world. Suddenly. It's not stable. The only thing that's stable is the word of God. Nothing else. I want to pray with you this morning. And I want to pray with you. It's by invitation. I'm not going to uh, lay hands on you or pray for you if, you if you don't want me to. But I'm going to pray with you for God's assignment for your life. For God's plan for your life. Not people's opinions, not your ideas, not what you're praying for. His assignment for your life. I'm going to pray with you. And I'm going to anoint you this morning for that assignment. As I anoint you this morning, I'm setting you apart for God's plan. Now, this is a covenant that we are in with God. In the Old Testament, we have a covenant that's based by law. But in the New Testament, we're still part of a covenant. That covenant is not based on laws, but on relationship. But it's not a lesser of a covenant. It's a covenant that we're in with God. We are in a covenant. No, for there to be a covenant... There's two parties, and both of them are, can put a demand on that covenant. It's not just a one-way relationship. To explain it to you briefly, today we have contracts. And the reason why we have contracts today is because of lack of trust. Because we don't trust people, we enter a contract. But covenants are based because of trust. When you get married, when you get married to a person, you enter a covenant. And when you enter that covenant, you are saying that I promise to be everything to you, even if you fail to be everything to me. I wish I knew that before I got married. That's a covenant. A covenant is not based on works. It's, it's based on trust it's because I trust you I'm entering a covenant with you now in this covenant that we are with God many people have placed a demand on that covenant I'm in a covenant with you and so I demand finances demand breakthrough demand dealing demand because I have a covenant with you God in 2023 God is putting a demand on covenant the same demand that you're putting on him God is putting on you and he's saying I'm in a covenant with you as well and I require your life. There's two ways in this covenant. There's not just one beneficiary. God is putting a demand on covenant this year. And saying, I have a plan for your life. I have an assignment for your life. You can't waste time anymore with things that is not of God or that He didn't place upon your life. There's a covenant. Amen. Now, when I pray with you this morning... It's something between you and God, not between me and you. It's between you and God. I'm coming this morning and I'm anointing you, setting you apart for the assignment that God has for you. God's plan for your life. But it's your covenant between Him. It's, it's your relationship. And I want to tell you that God is going to take you seriously. If you say, here I am, then God's going to put a demand on His covenant. And so it's not something that you have to stand up for this morning. You have to be anointed. It's by free will. I want to give you the option. Now in Samuel, he says, and when Samuel anointed David, he says, from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. From that day on. Now, was the Spirit of the Lord not upon David before that? <laughs> it was upon him. 
But the shift happened. Acceleration came. The shift that I spoke about in worship, in prayer, a shift came. Something else happened in that moment. Now, David was anointed to be king. Guess what he did the next day? Did you care of the sheep? David did not say, well, I've been anointed now. I've been set apart, so I'm too good to do anything now from now on. He continued to be faithful with what God has given him. I want to say to you, the door that God wants to open in your life, no one can stop. But if he does not open that door, remain faithful. Remain faithful. Just keep on going. Just keep on moving. Just keep on. If God gave you this mandate, if he said work at this company, keep on working at that company. Don't question it. If he placed you there, you continue to be faithful until he moves you, until he opens the next door. We can come to a place where we live in complete harmony with God. It's not a battle trying to pray things open and get it right. And I need a new job, new position. We're in harmony with Him. He orders our steps. He opens the right door at the right place. He gives us access. And so I remain faithful. I want to make it clear as I anoint you this morning. Remain faithful where you are, where God has positioned you. Until He opens the next door in your life. But I'm marking you this morning for God's assignment plan for your life okay thank you father i want to lead you into a place of prayer and as we go into that place there's a shift that's going to happen and in that shift you'll stand under open heaven and i'm going to give you a couple of minutes to declare a couple of minutes where you can pray you can declare whatever whatever you lose on earth be loosed in heaven in that moment we're going to start to pray and then suddenly you will feel the shift take place you will feel it this morning there's a shift that took place this morning in the prayer in the worship there's a shift that takes place but i want you to realize that when it happens i want you to see that you're standing under open heaven there's no limitation no restriction completely open in that moment and i want to give you the opportunity as you led by the Spirit to pray in that moment. And come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, of every person standing here right now. And as we pray with them, we mark them, we set them apart for your plan in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep come on, powerful shift has taken place, powerful major things. It's going to be a key, key moment for many of you, for a lot of you. You're going to be able to trace things back to this morning. Right from the outset, when we begin to pray, we began to pray was something prophetic and then uh, Andre began to uh, uh, indicate the power of prayer there was a shift that took place this morning so just keep worshiping the Lord just keep engaging with the Lord just keep going amen just uh, be grateful give God thanks for what happened this morning take it by faith amen some of you felt it some of you've experienced it but things are going to change as of now